You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. Okay, y'all ready to do this again tonight? All right, so, you know, last semester, last spring, so I know freshmen, you weren't there for this, but last spring I, I, I told the story of how I proposed uh, to my now wife, Leslie. Um, I'm not going to share that tonight. Instead, uh, I'm going to share what happened before that. I didn't tell you what happened, what led up to that proposal. Uh, we call it in our home the great freakout. Um, so I, in, in late October, so almost a year ago, uh, Leslie was going to take a trip to go visit her sister, who still at that point lived in Arizona. And so I dropped Leslie off at DFW Airport. What she didn't know, though, is as soon as I was leaving DFW, I was going to drive and meet um, <clears throat> Jennifer Fowler and, and Amy Sale. They're here. They're two uh, of our adult leaders. They, uh, uh, they were going to help me find uh, a ring for Leslie. And so uh, we went to Earhart's Jewelers. It's a local jeweler here in town. And, uh, and I went there to pick out this ring. Well, so we get there, and I cannot even begin to explain the feelings that began to go through my body when I walked in to that jewelry store, and they pulled out the rings, and I start looking, and I don't have any other better way to explain it other than I just began to freak out, like seriously freak out. And I'm in there thinking, okay, I'm, you know, Jen and Amy, they're like, uh, you know, if I ever do anything to Leslie, they're going to be the first to like destroy me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hide this freak out that's going on on the inside from them. Plus there's the jewelers and stuff. And I didn't want them like, you know, thinking what's wrong with this dude. So I'm, I'm looking at these rings like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, like a deer in headlights, totally freaking out. And uh, so, so this first trip to the jewelry store, we, we pick out the diamond that we're going to use. I couldn't decide on a ring because I was totally freaking out. So I was like, all right, here's the diamond. Just keep that, hold on to that, and I'll come back in like a few days. Well, that was, that was late October, um, like October 24th-ish, somewhere in that range. And uh, I didn't go back to the jewelry store for like a month and a half. Um, and no joke, they're like calling me every, every like three days saying, hey, we still have your diamond. Are you going to come finish picking out your ring? Have you decided on what ring you want? And I'm like uh, seeing their calling, screening their calls, not answering, or I, I, I would answer, and I'd be like, no, nah, I'll be there in a few days, just leave me alone. And uh, so I'm, because I'm, I'm just, I'm, I was, I'm just being honest. I'm freaking, you know, I'm so huge decision, right? Like this is one of the greatest decisions you'll ever make in your life. Plus at the time, I'm 32 now, I was 31 then. So I got, I had, I'd had like extra time to like embrace singleness and more singleness to like sacrifice for the rest of my life than a lot of you who get married when you're like 21. Uh, yeah, who would for that? Uh, so I'm like, you know, I'm free. Plus, you know, I mean, asking a girl to live with you, be your wife until one of you is dead is crazy. And so freaking out. Uh, so finally get to uh, late November and uh, about mid-November, actually, I go in there and I'm like, all right, let's do this. Um, I start looking at the rings, and they, there were like three rings where I liked different aspects of each ring, but I didn't like the ring, so I was like, can you all get this part of that ring, that part of that ring, and that part of that ring, and make it one ring, and they're like, oh my gosh, uh, so they did that, and uh, that took some time, so finally, the last week in November, I got this ring, and bought the ring, and so now I'm thinking, well, shoot, I gotta ask her parents, um, which I didn't know her parents very well, still don't, we're still getting to know the parents, uh, but uh, I didn't, I'd like met her dad twice before this, okay? And so I'm thinking, well, shoot, I got to call her dad. Her parents live in Houston. And so I'm, I'm trying to think of how do I, now I wanted to, H-Town, was that H-Town? Woo? Okay. Uh, are y'all Rockets fans, those who wooed? Okay. Uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. This is a Mavericks only space here. Uh, anyways, all right, back to it, back to it. Stick with me. So 
I'm thinking I want to ask these, I want to ask them like face to face. You know, I don't want to just call and be like, hey, you know, can I marry your daughter? Um, especially since I didn't know them very well, they didn't know me very well. So I'm like, how do I ask them to like get a meeting with them in Houston without being obvious about what's going on? So uh, I'm, I'm planning out this conversation with her dad over the phone. You know, like before you make an important phone call, you, you like rehearse it like 25 times. Then you dial the number, and right before you press call, you like hang up, and you're like, okay, now let's go through this one more time, how this is going to go. Um, and so I, I finally work up the courage, press the green button, and the phone starts ringing. It keeps ringing. Keeps ringing. About the fourth ring, I realize, oh, crud, I didn't think about what happens if it goes to voicemail. And so uh, now I'm like scrapping in my mind, thinking, what do I even say? What do I, I, I don't even know what, what, and so next thing you know, beep. And so I'm like, uh, and like, I'm having trouble speaking. I'm breathing so hard. So no joke. This is what I said. At least the, I don't remember the rest of this, but I do remember saying this. I'm thinking, Austin, you're an idiot. I was like, Hey, Mr. Hirsch, uh, this is Austin Wadlow. Um, your daughter, Leslie's boyfriend. Now, you know, it's sad when you have to go like first and last name. And then, uh, this is your, you know, daughter's boyfriend, uh, whatever. But I'm like, yeah, this is your daughter's boyfriend. And, uh, I'm calling cause I don't remember what I said from there. So I hung up and I'm thinking, what just happened? And uh, so I get a phone call later from this, uh, this other number in Canada because he sometimes, he, about every other week, he has to go to Canada for his work. So he calls me from Canada. And uh, I'm like, you know, hello. And I figured it was him. And so he's like, hey, so what's up? And I was like, hey, I'm wondering if, you know, I could meet you in Houston in like three days. Uh, I just want to hang out. And he's like, uh. <laughs> so... Anyways, he's like, well, I fly back, you know, in two days, I get in at this time, and I'm, I have a small window here, okay, because my plan was, uh, so to ask on Friday, Friday night we had a Christmas party for our leaders, then we were going to drive to Louisiana, I was preaching in Ruston, Louisiana on like Monday and Tuesday, then on the way back I was going to propose to her, and so I'm like, I got to make this happen like now, so I'm like, I got to meet you on Friday, he's like, well, my flight gets in at one, so I'm like, okay, okay, cool, how long will it take for you to get from the airport? To your house because I got to be back in that or Denton for you know this and he's like all right we'll, we'll make it work well he calls me back the next day long story short he's like hey it is not going to happen so I kind of think I know what you're going to ask why don't you just ask me over the phone so I asked him over the phone um, and he says yes we talked for a little bit um, but I still wanted to ask her mom in person so I, I called her mom and was like hey can I come down to Houston and just you know have coffee or something she's like oh yeah uh. and so <laughs> Uh, I, dry, I drove down to this Starbucks in Conroe, which is, like, close to Houston. And, uh, it, cool, Conroe's here, too. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I meet her for coffee. We talk for, like, 30 minutes. I'm like, hey, listen, I got to get back on the road, so can I marry your daughter? And uh, so we talked about it for a little bit and then um, drove back. And that's why I was late. Those of you who were leaders last year, that's why I was late getting back to the Christmas party because I drove to stinking Houston. Um, so, anyways, go to Ruston, and the plan was... Uh, ask her to marry me on the way back as we're driving through my hometown. Those of you who know the pro- proposal story, that makes sense. Everybody else, sorry. Uh, and on the way home, and you can ask Leslie, I'm acting weird. Uh, and she could tell I was acting weird. And it's because I'm like going back into holy whatever, freak out mode. And so I didn't end up asking her. I drove right through my hometown. And I'm like, it ain't happening. I got the ring with me and everything. And so I get home. And so I call Brandon and Jennifer Fowler. I'm like, y'all got to come over here. I, I dropped her off at her house. And uh, she actually sent me a text saying, are you okay? And I didn't know what to say, so I didn't respond. Uh, yeah. So the Fowlers come over, and I'm like, I'm like freaking out, trying to like, you know, hey, what do I do, you know? 
And uh, so long story short, they're like, you, you need to go talk to Leslie. And you just need to be honest with her until you're freaking out. And uh, I'm like, do I tell her I have the ring? And they're like, that's ah, up to you, whatever. So I called Leslie, and I was like, hey, I need to come talk to you. Yeah. So I come, I drive over to, uh, I drive over to her house, and we sit in the car. And I'm like, I was just honest. I was like, Leslie, I just, you just need to know, like, I'm freaking out. I didn't tell her I had the ring. She didn't know I had the ring. I'm like, I am freaking out. Like, and I don't remember what I said. I, you may probably don't remember what I said either, but I'm sitting there thinking, honestly, after that night, I'm like, I just ruined our relationship. Like, she's not going to trust me anymore. Like, this, I, just, I just screwed everything up. And uh, what was even worse was, so this is like first week of December. We're going into the holidays now. So we had all these plans to go to Houston to see her family, uh, then to Kerrville to see her grandmother, then to Colorado to see my family. So that's what ended up happening. We, we had a couple days that were really rough after the conversation. Then we're like, all right, you know, we're going to work through this. And so we drive to Houston. Can I tell you how awkward that was? I had asked her parents if I could marry her, tell them I'm asking her in like three days. It hadn't happened yet. We show up to the house, and they're, you know, I haven't even talked to the dad since then. And uh, he's like looking at me like, you know, what the heck? Why you not ask my daughter yet, you know? And uh, I'm like, you know, uh, just kind of avoiding every, op- you know. So go to Houston, go see your grandmother, go to, you know, my family. And I have the ring in my backpack the whole time. I don't even know why I kept it with me the whole time. But anyways, um, uh, we get home from Colorado from the holiday stuff, early January, and I'll just be honest with you, I went into this season of like like a couple weeks of just praying and fasting and searching God's word, and some of y'all are like, well, dang, man, are you, like, why did you have to, and, and listen, listen to me, so Romans 12, 2 says this, this is kind of side note, it's really not the meat of what we're getting into, into tonight, but Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, perfect will. And I'm like gripping onto that verse. I'm thinking, okay, so we're gonna go into this time, this season of praying, fasting, searching God's word. And, uh, and some of y'all, you know, I, the, the question I get most from students is, how do I know if this is God's will for my life? And it's almost always, or at least the highest percentage, of the context of that question is in relationship. Like, is he God's will for my life or is she God's will for my life? And some of y'all are convinced that that dude or that girl that you're dating is like God's will for your life. But I just want to call you out and say, how, how can you be so sure, be so confident that that person is God's will for your life when, when, uh, when, when you're not living any differently than the rest of the world? When you have conformed to be just like the rest of the world. How can you be so confident that that person is part of God's will for your life when you are listening to and looking at the exact same things that the world is? How can you be so confident that they're God's will for your life when you're not searching God's word and you are conformed to the patterns of the world and not being transformed away from that? So Romans 12, 2, prayed and, and fasted and searched the scriptures and finally got to the point where I was confident that this isn't just what I wanted, this is what God wanted too. And so February 2nd, I asked her to marry me, and it was the greatest thing ever. Let me tell you why I share this, though. There is not a single question in life that I think is more scary to the male species, or maybe the female species, too, I don't know, uh, than the question, will you marry me? And there's a lot of reasons for that. I'll say this, too, um, and hang with me, girls. I, you know, I, I don't know if there's a single question that a girl has thought more about answering than the will you marry me question. Like in the same way that guys stand in front of the mirror and, um, and flex their muscles, uh, 
And, and guys, don't act like you don't do this. I think this is going to be something that happens till we're 85, okay? The only difference is, the only difference is, is like when you're a kid, you just unashamedly do it. You walk in there and you're just like, you don't even, you don't even know how to flex, you know? You're like a kid and you're like, uh, The way it changes over time is you just get more subtle with it, you know? Now you're, you're more like, you know, you kind of walk by, mm, you know, just check it out. You, you see a mirror, you're like, mm, you know, real. Because you don't want people to know you're doing it, but you want to still do it. When you're old, I don't know, but you'll be doing it in your diaper or whatever. But uh, in the same way, I think, <clears throat> in the same way, I think guys stand in front of the mirror and flex. I'm convinced that girls stand in front of the mirror and, like, practice how they're going to respond when the guy's down on one knee. Uh, and so uh, some of y'all are like, maybe. Uh, <laughs> So you got, you got it pictured, you know, he's down on one knee saying, will you marry me? And you're like looking at yourself in the mirror. How, I, I, I got to respond the perfect way because there might be somebody hiding in the bushes taking a picture or something. And so you're, you're practiced. You're, you, you start with the air gasp. You know, hands go out. And then, then the, the hands to the heart, like I'm about to have a heart attack, like this. Uh, and then the hand, the, I call this the wiggly hand. Uh, then you say, yes, and then put a ring on it. Uh, I'm convinced. In fact, let's do that together really quick. Okay, so start with the air gasp. Now the uh, hands to the heart. Now, hey, come on. We got to start over. Dude right here is not doing it in the middle. Come on, man. All right, everybody do it with me now. I'll call you out if I don't see you doing it. All right, here we go. Air gasp. Hands to, come on. Hands to the heart. Wiggly hand. Everybody say yes. Put a ring on it. Now listen, listen, one day, listen to me, one day, the majority of us in this room will either ask or be asked that question, will you marry me? Guys, it is probably the most significant question you will ever ask. Girls, it is probably the most significant question that you will ever answer. And so tonight, here's what I want to do. I want to dive deep into this question. And specifically, here's what I want to do. I want to look at some things that you guys need to know before you pop the question. And I want to look at some things that you girls need to know before you even think about saying yes. Y'all ready to do this? Let me pray for us. Lord, would you bring into this room a a, a time of like intense focus uh, on your word and what you have to say to us through your word. Speak to us, Lord. Convict our hearts. And help us to see more clearly than we've ever seen before what your scripture reveals to us on this issue. I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we saw last week that, uh, that love, sex, relationships, dating, marriage, weddings, all that stuff finds its origins right here in this book. It all finds its meaning in this book. And, uh, and, and because, the, because of the way we have, I think in so many ways, failed these topics in the church, not really talked about these topics in the church like they need to be talked about, We've opened the door for culture to swoop in and rob them of their originally intended meaning and, and replace that God-given meaning with something that God never intended or designed. So the reason that we're doing this series is to figure out what God wants us to really aim for when it comes to love, sex, dating, marriage, relationships. What, what does the Bible say real relationship goals actually look like? So last week, here's what we saw. From last week, we looked at Genesis 2, 18 to 23. And we saw in there that God gave us relationships for one reason. Quiz time, what's that one reason? Sweet. Front row got it. Uh, to help us carry out and to complete God's mission. God gave us relationships for one reason, to help us carry out and complete God's mission. That was Genesis 2, 18 to 23. Tonight we pick up in verse 24. So look at Genesis chapter 2, 
uh, verse 24. It's going to be like page 3. Verse 24, it says, Therefore, everybody say, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, if you are attending, uh, or if you've been attending the How to Study the Bible course that I've been teaching on Sunday mornings here, then you know when you see the word therefore, you've got to look and see what it's therefore. Uh, any conjunction, uh, any conjunction, a word that connects two things together, you have to look and see what it's connecting because when you see a conjunction, like therefore or but or other conjunctions, I can't think of any right now, but uh, when you see a conjunction, like you cannot understand what comes after it if you don't first understand what came before it. So here the word therefore could also mean for this reason or because of this reason. So here's what it's saying. Because God gave us relationships for one reason, which is to help us carry out and complete his mission, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. So what we see is marriage finds its roots in this reason. God gave us relationships for one reason. God gave us marriage for one reason, and that is to help us carry out and complete his mission. So it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. I want every single dude in here to grab a pen right now. Every guy, grab a pen. If you don't have one, girls, loan him a pen. Grab a pen. Girls, if you have multiple pens, pick your pinkest pen that you have. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to look in your Bible, and where it says leave, I want you to underline the word leave. If you don't have a Bible with you today, um, I want you to write it on your hand, the word leave. Every felon here, say leave. That was like seven fellows in here. Here's what this word means. Grow up. It means become a man. Stop being so dependent on mom and dad. Get an education. Get a job. Become self-supporting. Stop sitting around all day playing video games. I saw a... Uh, I saw a... Uh, all right, girls. I saw a picture not too long ago posted to Facebook. Uh, a girl posted, a college girl posted a a picture to Facebook of her, of her boyfriend glued to the TV playing Call of Duty. And she, she posted in the comments, she said, men will be men, dot, 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 isn't he so cute? Oh my gosh! I had to use so much restraint to not click reply and uh, put my own little comment in there. Listen, ladies, grown men do not waste hours playing the Xbox. Boys will be boys. Men will be men. And girls, if, if, if that picture describes your guy, then you need to know you're dating a boy, not a man. Now here's the question that you need to be asking yourself, ladies. Girls, can my man put food on the table? Can my man bring home, you know what I'm saying? The bacon. I was going to say the bread, but that works too. Can my man bring home the bacon? We'll say bacon tonight. Listen, you need a man who can feed you physically. But not only do you need a man who can feed you physically, you need a man who can feed you or lead you spiritually. Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone. That's why I was going to say bread, not bacon. Man does not live on bacon alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of who? Oh, people, y'all need to learn your scriptures. 
Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If your man can't put food on the table, if he can't bring home the bread, both physically speaking and spiritually speaking, then marriage should not even be in the conversation. You need a man who can put food on the table. Not only that, ladies, you need a hunter. You need a man who leaves the house to hunt for food. In other words, he has a job. He can keep a job. He's not lazy. But not only that, you need a man who is hunting after the heart of God. So let's just stop for a second, girls. Let me ask you this question. If you're dating a guy right now, <laughs> did I hear that? First row goes, no. <laughs> first row, guys. First row is apparently available. <clears throat> Listen. You need, a, you need a man who's hunting after the heart of God. Ladies, let me ask you this question. Those of you who are dating somebody, girls, is the guy you are dating, is he hunting after the heart of God? And let me just cl- clarify or clear this up for you, make it easy for you. If he's not hunting after the heart of God and you're sitting here wanting a relationship that is centered around Christ, centered around the Lord, then why are you dating that guy? So it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and it says, and hold fast to his wife, and then they shall become one, one flesh. So it says, hold fast. That word hold fast literally means to be glued to something. What that's talking about is, so it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, and then hold fast, be glued to his wife. In other words, get married. It's talking about marriage. It's talking about making an official commitment through a covenant both to each other and to God. Both to each other and to God. You're not just making a covenant to each other. You're making a covenant with God in marriage. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed this in, in a typical traditional wedding ceremony. I know this probably doesn't happen as much now. <clears throat> but in a traditional wedding ceremony, there's two sets of vows. There's the first set where the couple is, a lot of times they haven't walked up onto the stage or the altar you know, yet. Um, they, they're standing at the steps looking at the pastor. They're not even looking at each other yet. These are typically the I do vows. Those vows are very intentional and symbolic. These are vows they're not making yet to each other. These are vows they're making before God. After those vows is when they step up on the platform and turn and face each other and do the repeat after me vows. Those vows are symbolic of making vows to each other. You're being glued to each other both legally and spiritually. So it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And then you see the word and again. The word and is very significant. It does something significantly on a grammatical level. It is sequential. In other words, it shows logical progression. So in other words, in other words, what, what, what happens next or what comes next comes next for a reason. It doesn't come before. It comes after. So it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and, and then we'll see what comes next. So there's, there's progression here, intentional progression. So the first thing that we see is boys become men. They leave the house. They grow up. So, fellas, are you even ready for marriage? Second thing we have, see happen is, okay, the two get married. And then what's the third? You read on. And it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and then they shall become one flesh. So first thing happens is man grows up, boy grows into a man, uh, ready for marriage. Second thing, they get married. Third thing, then sex, then sexual relationship. 
I, I can't say it better than this great theologian one time I heard say, um, uh, no bing bing before the ring ring. <laughs> there you go. Now we'll get more into that next week, but listen, for now, here's what you need to see is that the sequence here is very significant. First, boys become men. They leave the house. They grow up. Second, marriage. Third, sex. Now, I don't want to stop there because there's so much more here than simply don't have sex before marriage. We're still asking the question, why, like, why marriage? Why did God design it that way? Why is it, why is it good to get married? Why man and woman? Why is it important that we make this official commitment or covenant with each other and not just move in together? Listen, these are all significant questions that our culture is asking, and so I want you to pay attention because I'm about to answer them all with like one answer right here. We have to see everything that we're reading right now in light of the bigger story. This is page two of like a thousand page plus saga. And what you see is that everything that happens or happened in the beginning actually foreshadows what's going to happen in the end. And what we see is going to happen in the end actually brings clarity to what happened in the beginning. Let me say that again. I want to make sure you got that. What happened in the beginning foreshadows what's going to happen in the end. What's going to happen in the end ultimately brings clarity to what happened in the beginning. Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 19 verse 6 says, uh, For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory for, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Ultimately, a wedding today is only a foreshadowing of the much bigger wedding that's to come. But not only does what happened in the beginning foreshadow what's going to happen in the end, what's going to happen in the end, bring clarity to what happened in the beginning, but also what happened in the beginning and what will happen in the end gives meaning to what's happening right now. I want to show you this. Flip uh, to Ephesians chapter 5. Flip to Ephesians 5. New Testament towards the end of your Bible. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to spend a lot of time here, so, so, so go there. Ephesians 5, I want you to see this. I'll wait for you to get there. <clears throat> if you got it, say got it. got it. All right, Ephesians 5. Verse 31, listen to this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one. Does that sound familiar? We just read that stuff. Paul, he's quoting Genesis 2, 24. So he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32, this mystery is profound. Which let's just stop there for a second and agree with that. Yes. I mean, the fact that a human of the male species, basically barbarian, can be forever joined with a human of the female species, basically princess, is crazy. And, and why would God choose it that way? I don't know. But he goes on. And, and actually, but seriously, like why marriage? Why man and woman? Why one man? Why one woman? Why not one man and like 20 women? Why not other things? Look at what he says next. He answers. He says, it's a mystery. It's a profound mystery. And then he says, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So everything that we're seeing happen in, in Genesis 2.24 ultimately is foreshadowing this relationship be, between Jesus Christ and the church, the way that we view marriage is a direct reflection of our understanding of the gospel. 
Pastor up north, Tim Keller, he says this, the gospel helps us to understand marriage, and marriage helps us to understand the gospel. This is the secret, that the gospel of Jesus and marriage explain one another, that when God invented marriage, he already had the saving work of Jesus in mind. Let me just tell you that I think, I think marriage is the most perfect picture of the gospel that God has given to us. Like, I believe that God, I, I, honestly, I believe that the primary reason that God gave us marriage, like, you, think, you think about all the ways he could have done this. But I think the, the reason that he gave us marriage primarily is because he wanted to give us a, he, he wanted people to be able to every day look at your marriage, your future marriage, look at my marriage with Leslie, look at our marriages and see a tangible, visible representation of what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. A lot of people in our culture are starting to say things or have been saying things, we don't need marriage. Or what's the point of even getting married? And if that's you, then then I just want to graciously say you don't yet understand the gospel. So as we move forward, I want you to see this. The things you need to know about before you ask or answer the question, will you marry me, come straight from a clear understanding of the gospel. So we just looked at Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. Back up to Ephesians 5, 22. I want to read through verse 25. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now I want to start with verse 25. And fellas, I want you to hear this again. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If the command on your life is to one day love your wife like Christ loved the church, then the natural question that comes into play is, how in the world did Christ love the church? So, fellas, I want you to see three ways uh, that Christ loved the church and how this impacts your future marriage relationship and how you pursue marriage. Number one, Jesus loved the church so much that he pursued her. Jesus loved the church so much that he pursued her. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word, or as we'll see in John, as we would see in John 1, the, in the word, and Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. God, he bridged this immeasurable, this, uh, this transcendent, this untravelable gap that exists between us and God. He, he, he bridged that gap by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus traveled the distance between us and him. How many of you in here are in long-distance relationships? Let me see your hand. Yeah, quite a few of you. I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's rough. Uh, so those of you who are in long-distance relationships, uh, you know, if, especially if you're the guy in here, some of, you, some of you guys are thinking, I'm in a long-distance relationship. Man, this weekend, I'm going to, oh man, I'm going to score some points. I'm going to surprise I'm going to travel the distance from here to wherever my girl is, and uh, I'm going to surprise her. Show up on her doorstep, flowers, roses, I don't know, something like that, maybe some blooms, chocolate, whatever, and uh, ring the doorbell, not even going to tell her I'm coming, show up, boom, she's going to melt right there. It's going to be awesome. Some of you girls will be thinking, man, if my guy did that, or if just any guy did that, man, I would melt. <laughs> it would be awesome. <laughs> Listen, guys and girls, you need to remember this. Jesus traveled so much further to pursue you. You know, a few years ago, I don't know if y'all remember this, I don't remember how long this was, but um, y'all remember Prince William and Kate when they got married? Everybody freaked out about that? You guys are like, Prince William, who's Prince William? I don't know. <laughs> the girls are like, yeah, I remember. Uh, 
Prince William and Kate. So Prince William, he's like one of the princes, princes not princesses, but princes in, uh, in, in England. And, uh, and so he, he asked this girl, Kate, who had no royal lineage, to marry him. And everybody's freaking out because they're like, oh my gosh, it's like a real-life Cinderella story. It's great. Um, and so everybody was like going nuts. And so they broadcast the wedding live on television. But since it was in, who says television? I just said television. <laughs> on TV. And, uh, and because it was in England, it was like it happened here our time, like in the, middle, in the middle of the night. So they broadcast it live in the middle of the night. And a lot of people were staying up watching it because it was like the wedding of the century to see. And uh, people were freaking out. In fact, my mom, she called me that morning at like 5 a.m. And she's like, oh, my gosh, Austin, did you see the wedding, Prince William and Kate? And I'm like, what the heck are you calling me at 5 a.m. for? <laughs> and no, I didn't. I love you. Bye. Uh, everybody's freaking out, though, because it was like royalty pursuing non-royalty. It was the Cinderella story. We need to remember as we freak out about something like that, that Jesus, the king of kings, royalty beyond any earthly royalty pursued us. Remember Bruno Mars? He's made it into two sermons now this semester. I don't even listen to Bruno Mars. Used to be Snoop Dogg, and I didn't listen to him either. But One of Bruno's first hits was that song, Grenade. Remember that song? I'll catch a grenade for you. Put my hand on a blade for you. Step in front of a train for you. First of all, I want to be like, Bruno, no, you wouldn't. I've seen you. Uh, but listen, Jesus took a brutal beating, a bunch of nails, a sword in the side, and a cross for you. Jesus loved the church so much that he pursued her. So fellas, if you're going to love your wife like God tells you to, you must pursue her. Second thing, Jesus loved the church so much that he died for her. Philippians 2.8 says, and being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In other words, Jesus went all in. Fellas, if you're going to love your wife like God tells you to, you must die for her. A while back, I was officiating a wedding, and I got in a lot of trouble uh, from the bride and groom because I, while I was officiating, uh, I compared a wedding to I compared weddings to funerals. I said weddings are a lot like funerals. Uh, also, my wife hates it when I make that comparison; doesn't want me to do that. So I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm not going to say that weddings are a lot like funerals. I want to make my wife mad or anybody else mad. So instead, I'm going to say this: getting married is a lot like dying. Fellas, when you get married, the days when, when your house, your apartment, your whatever is your man cave and the only furniture you need is a futon and a PlayStation, those days are over. Those days when your Dumb and Dumber poster <laughs> was the centerpiece of your apartment, those days are over too. The days when you got to pick out your clothes. You got to decide what you wear. Those days are over. I knew I was going to say that tonight, so I intentionally wore the shoes my wife doesn't like. <laughs> the days when, when uh, I don't know, the days when you could have Sports Center on all day, those days are over. Some of y'all, thankfully, my wife likes Sports Center, but some of y'all are going to have to start learning to watch HGTV or whatever that is. <laughs> the, the, the point is this listen, the days when your time, the days when your money, the days when your body, the days when your life, the days when your everything was simply yours, those days are dead and gone when you get married. Fellas, if you're going to love your wife like God tells you to, not only must you pursue her, but you must die for her. In other words, you will have to change. You will have to make sacrifices. If you're going to love your wife like God tells you to. Thirdly, 
Jesus loves the church so much that he still, to this day, is fighting for her. Let me say that one again. Jesus loves the church so much that he still, to this day, is fighting for her. Hebrews 7.25 says, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Romans 8.34 says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding or fighting for us. So here's what we see. Even though we've been totally unfaithful, even though we've cheated on him, even though we've committed adultery, even though we've run away, even though we've turned our backs, even though we've been plenty boring, even though we've been argumentative, shown little affection, been very untrustworthy, Jesus continues to fight for his relationship with you. Fellas, if you're going to love your wife like God tells you to, you better never stop fighting for her. You know, it's crazy, the statistics, the divorce rate today is double what it was 50 years ago. You want to know why I think that is? I think it's because men, most men, are unwilling to fight for their marriage. And they say, they, they, they say things, well, like, I don't, man, dude, she's crazy. <laughs> or they say things like, well, she got boring. Or they say things like, man, she, I don't know, I mean, you think of the list, all the things, whatever, she's untrustworthy. Listen, if you find yourself thinking those things one day when you're married, then please remind yourself that so are you. You're boring. You've cheated on God. You're untrustworthy. You've been unfaithful to Him. You've committed adultery towards Him. You've run away from Him. You've been argumentative with Him. And yet He's still around fighting for His relationship with you. If you're going to love your wife like God tells you to, fellas, you better never stop fighting for her. And guys, if this isn't you, if you're not there, then don't pop the question. And girls, if you don't feel like he's, here, he's there, then don't say yes. Let's back up to verse 22. So verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of that wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So ladies, one of Jesus' favorite things to say to his people was, follow me. You see that about 20 times in the Gospels. Jesus says, follow me, follow me, follow me. In other words, he's saying to his people, let me lead you. So ladies, here's what I want to challenge you with. When you get married, let him lead you. If the thought of him, the guy you're dating right now, if the thought of him leading you makes you cringe, if, if in your mind you think that you should be leading him because he can't lead you, then you need to break up with that guy and wait on somebody who can. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. You ever thought about what it means when it says, as is fitting in the Lord? Let me tell you what it means. It, it means just like Jesus submits to the Father. So wives, submit to your husbands just like Jesus submits to the Father. Here's what you need to see. Guys and girls are both called to model different aspects of who Jesus is. And quite possibly one of the most incredible qualities of Jesus is his submissiveness to the Father. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 says, Though he was in the form, Jesus, though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So, ladies, when you get married, let him lead you. And girls, if this isn't you, if you don't like the idea of the guy you're with leading you, then don't say yes. In fact, in the relationship now before you have to say no. Um, two final things I want to say tonight, and I want to give you to think about before popping the question, guys are saying yes, girls. First is this. Some of you, after hearing all this, uh, you're thinking, man, I, I struggle with the idea of, of sacrificing certain things for, for a girl, for a spouse, for a wife. Some of you are thinking, Man, I struggle with the idea of like committing to one person for the rest of my life until we're like dead. Freaks you out. Some of you girls, you're saying, you're thinking, I struggle with the idea of letting a man lead me. And so because of those questions in your head or those thoughts in your head, you're asking the question, does the fact that I struggle with these things mean that I'll never really be ready to get married or never be able to get married? And here's what I want to say. Jesus knew that you would struggle with this stuff when he created the institution of marriage. And you need, you need to see this. God gave us marriage for one reason, and that's to help us carry out and complete his mission. What we need to remember is that not only is God's mission to see this entire planet, this entire world radically transformed by his grace, but his mission is also to finish that transformation in you. Marriage was given to us to sanctify us. So if you struggle with these things, my challenge to you would be to, to pray and ask God by his grace through Jesus to change you. Prepare you for that moment when you do get married. Then when you find yourself in your marriage struggling with these things, Get on your knees before God and ask him to give you his grace. Because remember, God gave us marriage to help us complete and carry out his mission. God gave us marriage as the most beautiful picture, the most obvious picture of the gospel. That's why he set it up like he, like he did. That's the first thing I want to say as we close. Second thing is this. Marriage is not your salvation. Jesus is. Marriage will not solve your problems. Marriage will not give you lasting joy. Marriage will not fill that void that you have in your heart. Marriage will not save you from death. Marriage will not save you from your sin. Jesus will. Marriage is something that you can live without. Jesus is not. And so some of you tonight, for the first time ever, hearing the gospel explained in the light of marriage, in this light, in this perspective, for the first time ever, some of you have, like, come to understand the gospel. Like you, 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 for the first time, are like really realizing what Jesus did for you. You're seeing that when Jesus came to the earth, pursued us by traveling that untravelable distance, lived a perfect life, went to the cross to die for our sins, rose from the dead, offering salvation to us through his death and resurrection, paying for our sin, you're seeing that that was him getting down on one knee, opening up the box and proposing to you saying, will you marry me? First time ever you're realizing that. 
that you have been proposed to. Guys, maybe that's a hard image for you to get, but the reality is God has proposed to you saying, will you receive this gift of salvation and let me uh, take you in as part of my family? So let me ask you this question. What do you do when somebody proposes? You got it. Yes. Listen. Jesus has proposed to you and said, I want to save you from your sins. Jesus has proposed to you and said, I want to give you new life. Jesus has proposed to you and said, I want to fill that void in your heart. Jesus has proposed to you and said, I want to save you from death. I want to give you everlasting joy. I want to do all these things in your life. Now, you simply respond. And you respond by saying yes. Let me pray for us. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.